Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Uh, right now, if the ushers could kindly prepare for the tithes and offerings. I'd like to share two words that I've learned is the most powerful two words that can, if you punctuate these two words at the end of any problem or trial that you're going through, it'll change everything. Those words are, but God, but God. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, where it says, but God, rich in his mercy and love for us. <clears throat> kind of reminds me of a story of a computer genius, a pastor, and a boy scout. They're on a plane one day, and all of a sudden, the captain kicks open the door and says, Guys, we got a problem. The plane is going down. We got four people on board and only three parachutes. So the, the captain says, you know what? I have a wife and kids. I need one. He puts one on. He jumps out of the plane. Next, the computer genius says, hey, you know, in my mind, I have ideas that will change the world for the next 10 years. So the world needs me. So he grabs one, jumps out of the plane. Okay? So the pastor says to the, to the Boy Scout, hey, you know, uh, I want to live, but God has blessed me with a long and prosperous life. So you take the last parachute. The Boy Scout turns to the pastor and says, Man, Mr. Pastor, it's okay. We still have two parachutes left. That computer, computer genius just grabbed my back, uh, knapsack and jumped out of the plane. <laughs> but God, but God, is always but God. Here's a few examples in my life where that... Two words has changed everything. Um, at one point in my life, I would say, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what my future holds. But God is the one who holds my future. You know, man, I, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm struggling with these addictions. I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to that. But God says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's like, man, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it this month financially. But God will provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So as we give this morning, let us not forget the biggest, greatest but God that ever happened. For 2,000 years and three days ago, they brought Jesus off the cross, put him in the tomb, and where all hope seemed lost and mankind seemed doomed and ruined. But God, on Easter Sunday morning, raised Jesus from the dead. Father God, we thank you in Jesus' name. You are a great and awesome God. Lord, we just pray over the offering. Bless it. Use it to multiply your kingdom, Lord God. Father God, as we prepare our hearts this morning, Lord download in us interface your spirit with ours this morning meet us here meet us where we're at lord we love you we praise you we exalt you thank you for being our resurrected king in jesus name amen what a way to celebrate resurrection sunday because of the things that jesus has done we now have the freedom to live for him and sometimes we wonder about that word freedom what that means because we live in a country that have, has a lot of freedom. But the freedom that God is talking about is not just to live free. It's living free from the things that weigh us down, like sin and unforgiveness. You know, the things that pull us away from him? Yeah, he says you've been set free from all of that, so now we can live the life that he planned for us to live. So can we just thank our team one more time for just presenting that to us and reminding us? 
And when you came in, you're given that bulletin. If you want to take some notes, you can take that out as well. Uh, or if you're using the church app, that'll be fine. But we're actually in a series called The Family of God. And nothing like family. I think that's when we realize that we are included in the family when it comes to a morning like this. When it's Easter, like everyone is coming to church, the entire family. I don't care. It's just if you're sleeping all the time, you are coming to church. Like you will be dragged to church on Easter Sunday. But when you get here, like everything is okay because there's food to eat. There's, there's a place to uh, enjoy uh, family time. And so family is very important to God. It was his idea for family. And it was God's idea that you have the family that you're in. So if you're a teenager and you're having a hard time in your family, it's not mom and dad's fault. God saw that you would be such a blessing to your family. That's why you're in that family. And as difficult as family can be from time to time, God as the father saw us as his children and wanted to spend eternity with every single one of us. The problem was that mankind made their own decision to say, I don't want God in my life. I want to live my life however I want to live it. And so what happened is mankind was separated from God. And because of that separation, sin came into the world. And when sin came into the world, so did death and decay. So we don't live long here on this earth. We're temporary people, temporary beings, but we have an eternal soul. So now there's a problem. We have eternity inside of us, living inside of a temporary body. Just think about it. Our bodies are temporary. The moment you wake up in the morning, you feel pain. If you don't, you're 12. <laughs> Instantly, every single day, we get up in the morning and we're in pain. Why? Because our bodies are temporary. It's very temporal. And so when it comes to life, how do we live with a temporary body and an eternal soul? And then the question becomes this. What's most important? Because if we live in a temporary world with an eternal soul and we understand that, then doesn't priorities change? And shouldn't priorities change? Now I want to ask you, what is most important in your life? What is the most important thing in your life? Just think about it. What is the most important thing? And maybe you can answer it in your mind. And if you say fishing and you say it out loud you're, and your wife is sitting next to you, uh, you're in bad shape. You're going to need the resurrection. But normally what we say in our minds is probably a loved one, right? Family, children, your spouse, your parents, we say these things because we're built for relationship. God is a God of relationship. So if you were to ask God, God, what is the most important thing to you? You know what it would be? Relationship. That's the most important thing to God. In fact, Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It came down to relationship. And Jesus didn't just say it, he showed it. When he died on the cross and rose from the grave, he did that so our relationship could be once again unified with God. That's why we long and, and we, we 
we're, we, we seem empty when we strive to gain certain things, and then when we get it, we're still empty on the inside. But when we get this relationship with God and we connect with God, we have a, a strong relationship with Him, and we understand that he, he gave us eternal life through Jesus Christ, when we make that connection, we may not have anything. But because we have that relationship with God, it's like we have everything. We're not empty anymore on the inside. We have hope far beyond death. That's the hope that Jesus wants to give to us. So now that we understand the death and resurrection, how does that help us in everyday life? Like you can't go to Helco and say, I cannot pay my bill, but hey, Jesus is alive. Can you let me slide? Can you just skip the bill this month? Yeah, it, how, does, how does the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ affect our everyday living? It's great we have eternal life, but we're in a temporary world, in a temporary body. So how do we, how do we live? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is most important? Because life consists of relationships, and there are so many dynamics when it's in a relationship. And you and I would think that the longer you're with someone, the closer you become. And maybe you begin to know each other well, but you can, you can really tell how long someone has been with another person just by their close proximity. Like if you see two people holding hands and they're walking around and they're swinging, you look at them, you're like, one month or less. <laughs> That's one month or less. If they're just holding hands and walking, then it's like, okay, they've been together for a while. If they're not holding hands and they're walking together, they're married. <laughs> they've been married for a little while. Maybe 10 or 15 years later, they're a little distant. You know, then 30 years and beyond, it's like, hey, hurry up. You know, there's a, there's a longer distance. But then if you're married 50 plus years, like people wouldn't even know you're married because you know each other so well. Even conversation, you don't even have to speak to each other. You can just sit down at a restaurant and you watch the dynamics between people who have been married for a long time. They didn't even speak to each other. They're like telepathy. They look at each other. Oh, past the salt. <laughs> it's like, oh, my shirt, not button. Like it's... There's just something about a relationship that the longer you're together, there's just a, a bond that takes place. And that's what God wants for us. That's why he created us for eternity. He wants to spend forever with you and I. He doesn't just want us in this temporary world for us to be together with him and, and have relationship with one another. He wants us to be with him forever. The difficult thing is how do we prioritize things when God has called us to be in relationship, what is most important? Because even in our own personal lives, if you were to ask individuals what is most important, they'll say relationships. But do we show that? And how do we learn about relationships? What does relationships look like? What, what, what is it supposed to be like? Because if we're going to learn anything about this relationship with God and with one another, we're going to have to unlearn some things. See, you and I are the closest to how God created us to be when we're loving Him and loving other people. That's as close as we're going to get to how God created us to be, to be relational. And it takes some learning. It takes some unlearning because learning to love one another is a difficult task. Learning how to use a new phone is difficult. Have you ever tried teaching someone how to use a phone? Or if you're teaching someone how to use like, like email for the first time? I remember putting a computer together and teaching someone how to use the computer. I said, okay, grab the mouse. They're like, the what? I said, the mouse, the, 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 the mouse. 
I said, why is it called a mouse? I'm like, this is going to take forever. This is not going to be good. But it's like that. You're trying to teach someone a new thing. And if you know it and they don't, it can be pretty frustrating. Well, that's how it is with love. It's learning how to love one another. In the Bible, it tells us this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. And Peter was a disciple of Jesus, so he walked with Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says to respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters, fear God, and respect the king. You know what is interesting about this scripture is that it says you're going to love your Christian brothers and sisters. In, in fact, it's highlighted. Yeah, you're, you're going to res have respect for others. Do that. Have respect for others. We live in a culture to respect one another, respect our elders. Yeah, fear God. That's a must. And, and respect those in authority or, give, or, or, or those who give you good advice. But love the believers. Why does the Bible tell us to love the believers? Well, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul the apostle, who was someone who came to know Christ, is planting churches and he's teaching this church in Galatia and he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, Paul the Apostle is even saying, you know, you're going to do good to all people, but especially for those who belong to the family, the family of God. See, God wants people to know us, believers, for our love. That's why the Bible is so uh, uh, pinpointing on love one another as believers because the world is going to look to believers and people who believe in God to what love should look like. And if we don't know how to love one another and we think love is how the world loves one another or a man-made kind of love and we have these nice sentences of this is love when the Bible says that God is love and he gives us a way to love, if we don't know how to love, then how do we fulfill what is most important? We'll like one another or we'll dislike one another, but God says the most important thing is to love one another. See, I think every single person, every single one of us, we can live out what is most important by understanding three basic principles from God. And if you're taking some notes on this Resurrection Sunday, here's the first thing, that love should be our top priority in life. That should be our top priority. Now, why should it be love? Because love never fails, the Bible says. And usually our, our top priorities in life consist of our career, making more money, finding the right person, getting a degree, and all of those, these, these things are great. Love should be our top priority. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says. It says, let love, let's read this part together. Ready, go. Be your highest goal. Now, I know we live in a culture of setting goals, and that's great. But the Bible says love. Now, why is it love? No, because love will do what our natural human nature is incapable of doing. Love will make you do crazy things. I would never ride my bike at 14 years old four miles just to ride. But to visit my girlfriend, I would ride four miles I would cross the sea. I would go through the desert <laughs> just to visit. Well, because I married my girlfriend. Her name is Heidi. So I, I would, like, you do crazy things because of love. There's a song called that, right? Crazy little thing called love. I don't know how to sing it, but you know the title. And if you do, we got some age behind us. 
you know, there are certain things that you and I are going to learn about love. And even though you're, you, 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 you're learning about love and, we, and love is our top priority, you will still argue. You will still get into fights with people you love. You will still have a difficult time with people you, you're in love with. Just think about the questions we ask each other, even though we're in love, that, that causes arguments. Simple questions like, where do you want to eat? This is a simple question. Where do you want to eat? And normally it turns into, oh, up to you. Okay, let's eat here. Oh, I don't want to eat there. Well, you said up to me. Now you get into this fight about where to eat, and everybody starves. We go home, eat Simon. <laughs> but in the relationship, you still love one another. But you're going to have those arguments. But love should be our highest goal. That's what love can do for us. It can, it can bring us to a place where when that's the highest goal and it's the highest priority, then we're able to love God and love others beyond our differences. Love can do that. Love patiently waits for people. Love patiently waits for, your, for one another to process things. The Bible even tells us love is patient, love is kind. We got to learn how to love. Yesterday we are in our... Uh, in our house, and, and my grandson, Oakley, I have three grandsons, uh, Jaden, Landon, and Oakley. They're going to be 10, 8, and 6 this year. And watching the dynamics of our children and grandchildren change throughout the years is, is amazing. But my youngest grandson, Oakley, he's, he's so, like, very sneaky. <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. He's sneaky in this way. He'll, he'll say things like, Hey, Papa, um, so I was watching this little commercial, and there was a transformer sword. So buy it. <laughs> like he sucks me into the conversation. I'm like, okay, what, is, what do you see? And then he tells me, buy it. Because he knows we can purchase things from the phone, and I'll wait there patiently and listen for him, but I get sucked in. You, too, as grandparents, we get sucked in like they're on to us. At five years old, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Now, I think for, for relationship, for relationships and, and family, and, and as we get to know one another and as we get to learn how to love, we're going to make mistakes within that. We're going to have some difficulty, some, some, some heartache, some pain, even some separation Sometimes father with son or, or, or mother with son or parent to child. Sometimes, you know, husband and wife. And we have those difficulties. But when love is the top priority, then we don't look at who's right and wrong. We patiently listen. We patiently help the other person process things. And sometimes we learn it through our children. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. See, because of our love for our children and even grandchildren, we'll listen. We'll, we'll be there for them. But if we don't have love, we don't gain anything. You see, when we say, I need to make time for my family or find time for my family, I understand the context, but to say it like that really means that love is not my highest priority because if I have to make time or find time, that means something else is my top priority. But it's okay to think that way so that we learn that love should be our top priority. You know, in the Ten Commandments, when God gave us the Ten Commandments, 
The first four commandments is all about our relationship with God, how to love God. The remaining six is how to love others. First four, relationship with God. The final six, our relationship to people. But you know what the common denominator is? Relationship. God is all about relationships. That's why the most difficult pain that you and I will ever experience is probably the loss of a loved one because of relationship. I mean, the Lakers never made the playoffs. It's a little painful, but not like a loved one losing their life. Yeah, we may have some pain here and there, like someone bang my car, look at the dent. But when a loved one is in the hospital, it changes everything. Relationships are that important to God that he created eternity for all of us to spend with him. And busyness becomes the, the enemy of relationships. Because we're so busy, we don't have time to connect with people. Our whole life is made up of learning to love and possibly now having to learn how do we love God and love other people. Why is it our whole entire life? Why do we, from the very moment we're born, we're surrounded by love? What is the reason? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says that these three things will last forever. Let's read that together. Ready? Go. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. That's why our whole entire life, everything is about love. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Hey, you need to tell me you love me. Oh, I do. I love you. You got you to tell me you love me. Like, we want to be loved, and we want to give love. Why is that there? Because God put it there. God is love. And he created us to love one another and to love him. You know, I will visit people in the hospital so many times. And while on their deathbed, not one of them has ever said, bring me my checkbook. I like see how much money I get left. <laughs> no one has ever said that. No one has ever said, mom, come. We go take one selfie together. <laughs> So last, no one has ever said that. No one has ever said, hey, check my Facebook friends for me, please. No one has ever said that. In fact, I recently was with someone and um, they wrote a note because they weren't able to speak and they wrote a note and I read the note. It's still in my office because I remember this, that they wrote about relationships and said, I'm so thankful I got to meet people in church. So thankful I got to meet this pastor and this pastor and this person. And that was one of the last letters that this person wrote. Relationships. Let's not wait to our deathbed to let our loved ones know how incredibly important they are. And let's show it. That's what Jesus did for us. Matthew chapter 25 verse 40 Jesus is telling a story, and he says, you know, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You know what Jesus is saying? You will show your love to me in how you love one another. You don't show your love for me while you're in worship or while you're singing songs. I mean, it's a part of it, but you really show your love for me by how you love one another. That's how God measures our love for him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says what is most what is most important is faith expressing itself in love 
Like, we can say we have faith in God. We can say these things. We can even be here together on Easter. But really, it's expressing our faith in love. See, love is shown by the heart behind what we do. See, I, I think our greatest prayer should be, Lord, help me to love others regardless of my day. I want to learn how to love you, and I want to learn how to love other people. Because loving is a priority, and it should be our top priority. The second thing is that love is shown best with our time. And that's how children spell love. They spell love T-I-M-E. That's how they spell love. It's time. I can say I love someone, but time is very important. And you know someone's priority and where their heart is by where their time is and, and how, what they value. And, and just watch how they spend their time. That's part of the reason why you and I put curfew on our children. Time is valuable. And it's not that we want to, you know, shut down their day. And if you're a teenager here, I guarantee you everyone's curfew is different. For some, it's 8 o'clock. For some, it's 10 o'clock, maybe 9 o'clock. But everyone has a different curfew time. That's why when you become, you know, an adult, it's like, I can stay up however late I want. I don't need no one's help. And then you get a job. It's like, oh, I got to sleep early. That's what a curfew does. It trains you for when you do need to get up. But time is a factor. And if you had a curfew and your curfew was at 10 and you live far away, you have no traveling time for your curfew. Your curfew is 10, you're in the house, you're sleeping at that time. Why? Because time is so valuable. You and I don't get more time in the day. And I hear people saying, oh, if I had 28 hours in a day, oh boy, I could do so much more. No, you wouldn't. We would still squander our time with one another. Time is valuable. That's the one thing we can never give back. We can always make more money somehow, but we can never make more time. And when we're able to be with a loved one, that's how we show them our love. It's our time. It's the greatest gift that we can give to anyone. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, dear, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Like there's so much more to love than just the word itself. Sometimes we don't understand this concept and we say, but I provide for my family. I give them what they want. What more can I do? Time. I don't want time. I come home, I'm tired. I just walk in the house, I fall asleep. Yeah, time. It's a difficult thing, but it's a part of love. You know what our children really want? Is our undivided, focused attention. We can be in the same room, but we're not in the same room. Now children are saying, mommy, watch, daddy, watch. We're like, okay, go. And that's what they know all their life. Nothing wrong with, you know, capturing moments with our children, but the best moment for our children is you. It's the best moment. That's their camera. It's their memory. It's that one-on-one -on -one time. It's the, the time we take to spend with our children. Daddy, watch. I hear it often when my grandchildren come over, Papa, watch, Papa, watch. Like, you almost like snap. Like, I am watching. I'm watching you all day. <laughs> but you got to calm like, okay, oh, nice, hey. And you got to put your heart into it. They know when you're bluffing. Like, oh, I saw what I did. You was moving. <laughs> they, 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 like, they want our attention. And the most desired gift anyone could ever want is our focused attention. 
<laughs> so yesterday we were in the yard and I put down these, these uh, like blankets or we call it like a hali'i. And uh, my two grandchildren, Oakley and Landon, they're the younger ones. They want to play wrestling. They want to wrestle with Papa outside. So we're wrestling outside. And then, you know, after I get tired, I'm like, hey, let's, uh, let's play another, another game. Let's play story. So I said, hey, Oakley, because Oakley has good imagination. I said, Oakley, why don't you tell us a story? He said, okay. So he starts and Landon and I, we, we lie down and then, he says, okay, so once upon a time, he has a little hisp. So once upon a time, there was a, a, a long blue balloon, and it came into a transformer Thor. Papa, buy me a transformer Thor. I'm like, how did he weave this into the story? He's so good at this. And then he continued on for 15 minutes telling us a story. Now, I loved it. I was taking a nap. But my, my other grandchild, Landon, said, the end, like three times during the story. The end. And Oakley's like, nope, not the end. And he walks around us telling the story. It was the best. I loved it. But that was time. 15 minutes. Sometimes 15 minutes is brutal. And it takes a while. But when you give undivided attention, those 15 minutes for children turn into a lifetime. They remember those moments. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 tells us to walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. This is why we celebrate Easter. It's because of what Jesus did, not just what he said. Because if Jesus said, I'm going to die for the sins of the world, but he never did it, what good is that? It's a broken promise. And many of us live with broken promises, but not with God. He never breaks his promise with us. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he sacrificed his life for you and I, and he gives us all the time in the world called eternity. He gave us his life so that we could be forgiven, just so that we could spend eternity with God on the other side of the grave. When love is our top priority, it's our highest goal, and we show love with our time You'll be amazed at how our family dynamics change and our work environment change, uh, changes and our community begins to change. So where do we go from here? Well, here's the third thing. Start loving God and people today. Yeah, but I already love God and I already love people. Okay, get better then. Love God and love people today. Learning to love is difficult because we have to unlearn a lot of what we're used to, what we thought love was. Sometimes we, we will learn from moment to moment how to get better at things. In fact, I was at uh, the airport some time ago, and, you know, they, they, we have chairs. So my selfishness is if there are three chairs, I'm going to sit in the middle so I have arm room. So I'm not even thinking about other people. I'm thinking about myself. I'm going to sit in the middle so that there's room. Well, someone sat next to me, a woman, and then a man sat next to me on this side. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's fine. No big deal. So I'm, I'm reading or doing something, and then uh, this woman starts talking to this man. So I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to, you know, get in between them, so I kind of uh, lean back a little bit. And so they're talking, and then we're sitting down for maybe five minutes or so, and my flight had to leave. So as I'm getting up, I see that they're still talking, but their conversation sounds very relational. And so I said, are you guys married? They said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm so sorry. I should have had you sit next to your wife and you, I, I should have had you sit next to each other. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. It was good. 
I said, you guys must have been married like 20 plus years. They said, yeah, 23 years. I said, guarantee you've been married a long time. Like the separation was good. They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We was traveling together a long time. So this was good. And the guy looked at me. He goes, hey, hey, you the, you the kind of? Okay, so if you don't speak pigeon, he was saying, hey, you're the person that I can recall in my mind. So he said, hey, you, you the kind of? You somebody, huh? I was like, I don't know. Am I somebody? Who am I? So, so he goes, hey, hey, you the kind of Colton Wong. I was like, Colton Wong? Baseball player, if you don't know, Colton Wong. Plays for Cardinals, graduated, come in my schools. I was like, cool. Maybe. Why, why, you, what you, what you, like, I don't think. But that's, he thought I was that person, but just to, just to see the dynamics of, I just wanted to tell you the story because someone thought I was Colton Wong. That's about it. That's the only, that's the only reason. But in my mind, I'm thinking, it, it is, it's just in me to think of self. It's so easy for me to think of self. It's difficult for me to think of others. I have to learn that. And what I learned from that situation is, one, don't assume that these people are or not married, but I could just ask kindly, hey, do you guys want to sit next to each other? And if they weren't married, then maybe they would say, no, 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 I don't know that person. Okay, then I learned from that. But learning to love is a, is a thing that we have to start if we have not already. And we can start that by loving God and people today. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So when he's saying do good to all, he's also saying even the people in your very own household. Because how often sometimes we'll treat other people better than we do the people in our very own home. At our workplaces, hi, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, oh, no, we have a, oh, no, we have, just check this out. This is a, you know, this is a new model that we got in, so you want to check this out. And then when our family calls, it's like, what? I'm working. Shut up. Okay. Okay, bye. Stop calling me. I'm going to call the cops. So, like, <laughs> we treat our family members so different than anyone else. And what the Bible is saying is that's because we have to unlearn some things. If you call in the cops in your family, then, yeah, we're going to need God. But I understand I grew up in that kind of family. Ephesians 5, verse 16, it tells us to make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because we're in these evil days. Like we have to make the most of every single opportunity. Let's learn to love God. Learn to love people. Well, how do we learn how to love God? Well, if you don't know God yet, the first thing is to actually be loved by him. To let God love you. Because if we don't have God's love, we won't know how to love him. We won't know how to love one another. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Now listen very carefully. On this Resurrection Sunday, Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave just so that we could spend eternity with him. If that were so, the moment we said yes to him, we would have died and gone, on, gone into eternity. No, we all have an assignment. Most important thing, love God and love people as you love yourself. That's a commitment that Jesus made to us. He said, I am so committed to what love is all about that I will die for that cause. And now he says, you have learned what love looks like. It's me dying and rising from the grave, and you can do the same thing. You die to self 
so that other people can live. I say let's be people who look at what is most important. Let's love one another as we love God in this world. Amen. And ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And as we do that, some of you are going to receive Jesus today in just a moment. And at the end of our prayer, you're going to be invited to what we call our yes table. And it's in the back of our sanctuary. You're going to see it. It says yes with an exclamation point because that is the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And we have a free Bible, a free gift for you. And it's to help you with your walk with Jesus Christ. He's the hope that lives on forever. We just call him our, our living hope. And if you're that person and you're saying, boy, I don't have Jesus in my life, we're going to pray that prayer. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity to learn what love looks like. Because love is, is your top priority, God. And loving us was your priority. And we want to show love through our time and our undivided attention with other people. And that comes from you. You want to spend all of eternity with us, all of time. And we can start that today. We can start loving you and people today. And that's what you want for us. You want, to re you want us to receive your love today. So I pray for anyone here. If you're saying, I, I want Jesus in my life. I, I didn't know what to expect this morning, but I, I can sense God's love tugging me. He's forgiven me of my sins, and I, I don't deserve anything, but I hear that, that he loves me even though I have done some things in my life that I'm not proud of. And he's forgiven us of all of our sins and cleanses us. And if that's you today and you're saying, I want Jesus in my life, I want to pray for you. Could you just lift a hand real briefly? And just, only I'm looking and I just want to know because I want to pray with you. Okay, God sees your hand. Absolutely, God sees your too. Yours too. Okay, anybody else? You're saying yes to Jesus. Okay. Okay, back there. God sees you. Yeah, right here. God sees your hand too. Okay, be bold. This is your moment with God. You get to declare that God sees your hand too. Yeah, he's given you his very own life. God sees you back there too. Okay. You can put your hands down. I think even as believers, you know, it's, it's a Sunday like this that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're a believer and you're saying, God, I, I, want, to, I want to do what's most important. I want to become that person. If that's you and you're saying, God, thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, could you lift your hand? And in doing so, you're saying, God, I am grateful for the resurrection of Jesus. Help me to love people like you do. Yeah, that's us, Lord. You can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray over all these that said that they want to receive you as Lord and Savior. I'm going to say a prayer, and as I do so, you're going to repeat after me. And as you repeat after me, you just mean it with all of your heart, and we can all say this prayer together. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I believe in you. I trust you. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And Lord, that's our prayer. We thank you for all those that said yes to you.
We thank you, even as believers, that we get to live a life that loves you and loves others. Thank you for the resurrection power that you give to all of us. In Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray, and we all said together, amen.